thank you for joining for this episode of the Techspective podcast. Uh, my guest for this episode is Prabhat Karanth from Adobe. So, Prabhat, if you could go ahead and introduce yourself and, and maybe a little bit of background on, on, on you and your role there. Sure. Thanks, Tony. Uh, thanks you so much for having me. I'm uh, super excited to be here. Uh, hey, folks, uh, this is Prabhat. Uh, I'm part of the security organization here in Adobe. Uh, I've been in Adobe for close to nine years, uh, and I manage a team of uh, compliance professionals and compliance leads who are primarily engaged on uh, building uh, governance risk and compliance processes and uh, and, and working on some of our Adobe certification efforts uh, with our um, yeah, with our product teams. And uh, in addition to that, I also manage a team of uh, compliance product owners uh, driving a program called the Strategic Tech Initiatives. Uh, the primary objective of this program is to identify strategic security technology opportunities and drive the implementation of these uh, opportunities and best practices across Adobe through automation. Um, I'm one of the uh, co-authors of the Adobe Common Controls Frameworks and also co-architected the implementation of Adobe CCF. So that's me, Tony. All right. Well, that's a lot. Like, <laughs> do you get, do you get time off on weekends? Uh, I've been here for nine years, Tony. So uh, I figured out a way to make things work. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say though, that that's also a lot to to an extent uh, in in the world of technology and cybersecurity. You know, it that that's that's a lifetime almost. You know, I feel like everyone kind of uh, many people tend to jump ship. You know, every three to four years, two to three years even. Exactly. That's a good point. I feel extremely blessed and fortunate to have been uh, uh, working in uh, Adobe as Adobe was going through this massive digital transformation. Uh, over the last uh, decade, and uh, pretty much every year, I've been getting exciting opportunities to work on. So that's kind of kept me excited. Well, and and I also, and I, I actually just had this conversation with someone else recently, but um, I see that actually as a, um, not a benefit. Benefit's not the word I'm looking for, but um, it, like that that that's a, a a good sign for you and for Adobe. Like to me, to me, it says. Adobe is a good company to work at. Otherwise, why would you still be there nine years later? And it says, Prabhat is good at what he does. Otherwise, why would Adobe keep paying him nine years later? <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it kind of worked out, I guess. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, and 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 like it, you just kind of alluded to, timing-wise uh, is, is sort of uh, interesting in, in that, the nine years that you're there, like, you know, like, I mean, compliance existed before that risk has always existed, but, but, you know, I feel like in the last decade, maybe, maybe 15 years tops, you know, compliance really heated up with, you know, you know, you had socks, you got PCI, you got GLBA, you got, uh, HIPAA, um, uh, you know, all these, you know, the, the, uh, what's the, uh, why am I blanking now on the on the EU one? General GDPR. Yeah, GDPR. I couldn't remember what the D was. Um, <laughs> but but uh, so you have all of these all of these compliance uh, mandates and, and regulations uh, that that if you're a smaller company, you know maybe only PCI applies to you or whatever, or you know if, you know medium sized company, you know like depending on the industry, you know like if you. 
it, it, it starts to get complicated if you're a publicly traded company that works in healthcare and accepts credit cards. Uh -huh. uh, yeah. But, and, and I would say Adobe is one of those larger companies. I mean, you guys have a global footprint, so you have, you have to figure out how to kind of juggle all of these different things. You work across, uh, the, you know, industry, uh, silos. Um, so, you know, I, I feel like you, you, you kind of have to address a lot of these things. So, you know, in the, in the, in the, you know, almost decade that you've been there, um, what are some of the, you know, can you describe some of the issues or the challenges that Adobe has faced or that you've had to deal with in terms of governance, governance, risk and compliance? Sure, sure, um, sure, Tony. So Adobe was one of the early adopters of, uh, of cloud computing technology. Uh, and um, we moved, uh, we took the plunge to move our products to, uh, to uh, and, and offer it as part of uh, a hosted service pretty, uh, pretty early on. Folks may think of Adobe as, uh, typical like Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign kind of product offerings. Uh, however, in reality, we are a much diversified, broad set of product offerings that are pretty much offered purely as a hosted service at this point of time. We have three uh, main marquee offerings that uh, through which we offer um, uh, our products and services. They are uh, the Adobe Creative Cloud, uh, where products like Photoshop, InDesign, Illustrator uh, is offered to uh, the creative community and the creative professionals. And then we have the document cloud suite of offering where we have the Acrobat PDF services and the Adobe Sign, which is kind of more geared towards the whole um, document workflow and the signing workflow. And then we have the uh, experience cloud, which is more geared towards the digital marketer on, on how he or she serves uh, uh, their customers. So all of these three uh, marquee offerings that I mentioned is primarily offered uh, as a 100% uh, as hosted service. So as we were undergoing this massive business transformation of moving our go-to-market strategy, our business uh, primarily uh, from a product perspective, which was primarily a desktop shrink wrap based product offering to uh, cloud services, the security risk and the threat landscape was, uh, was drastically changing for us. Um, and uh, one of the challenges we faced at that point of time uh, because of the diversified set of product offerings that we have, our public cloud footprint was massively, massively expanding. So as a result of that, creating a common security baseline that can be implemented across these diversified set of services and product offerings became a challenge. And then creation of this and also scaling some of the security best practices and configuration across this diversified and broad technology and cloud footprint was also a challenge. Uh, primarily around uh, aspects like cloud configuration, uh, where we had to make sure that the assets that we manage are always in a desired state and we do have a mechanisms to detect deviations from that desired state and mechanisms to kind of prioritize and risk remediate those deviations uh, and, and flow it into engineering cycles uh, was something that we really needed to think of. And then in addition to all this, as Adobe's business was growing and expanding, we were also going through uh, uh, some acquisitions where we, were, where we had to make sure that the common security baseline that we established internally is also applied to these acquired entities uh, to make sure that we uh, uphold the highest level of uh, security and trust that our customers expect of us. So uh, these were some of the challenges that uh, uh, we faced as we underwent this business transformation today. Okay. Well, and so one of the things that's interesting there is, you know, like you said, Adobe was one of the 
early cloud adopters, Adobe's, you know, kind of been on the, you know, cutting, if not bleeding edge of some of these things. And, um, you know, that, that creates some of its own challenges as you kind of have to pioneer solutions, you know, like Netflix comes to mind. You know, I know that, yeah. you know, I, I, I wrote a thing a few years back about all of the, uh, tools that Netflix had to create around, DevOps and 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 those types of things because it just it didn't exist and it didn't exist at the scale that they were trying to do things, um, so they had to make their own. Um, so you already you know you, you you when you were introducing yourself you you mentioned uh, strategic tech initiatives so you know that that is in large part you know the the way you guys are managing uh, you know these GRC uh, challenges so. Tell us a little bit about that. Like, what, what, how did, how did STI come about, and how does STI help you uh, manage the uh, governance and compliance challenges you face? Sure, sure. That's a great question. So let me start off by talking about uh, Adobe's uh, security strategy in general, um, uh, and and the way we went about building security programs. Uh, to cater to some of these unique risks that we faced when we underwent the business transformation. And then that will be a good segue to talk about how STI came into existence. So uh, Adobe's security strategy is primarily built on uh, four key pillars, right? Uh, so from physical layer and up, we have something called as the Adobe Common Controls Framework, which is a rationalized set of controls uh, that map to various industry certifications and uh, attestation requirements that our customers and regulators expect of us. So we created that common control set and baseline for security and drove a massive project to implement that across all of our uh, customer facing uh, and uh, some of our critical offerings. Uh, and then from software layer and down, we have something called as the secure product lifecycle, which is hundreds of rigorous tools, processes, and technologies that are geared towards helping the developer write secure code. And then the third pillar is our tooling stack, our operations uh, security tooling stack and our application security tooling stack, uh, where, which consists of number of tools that are in place uh, to gear towards the specific security risks for those specific domains. And on top of all this, we built the strategic tech initiatives program with the objective of the program primarily being to identify strategic uh, security technology opportunities and best practices. And uh, this opportunities and best practices are identified through several input channels. It could be through industry benchmarking, it could be through uh, uh, new compliance requirements and so on and so forth, and then create an engine that is repeatable to actually develop initiatives to execute these best practices throughout the company and automate these requirements to make it self-service so that uh, it, it's a cyclic process and uh, we implement these best practices and remediations in a, in a perpetual manner. So this is how we kind of thought about security and organized security uh, implementation within the company. Okay. So one of the questions that came to mind when I was kind of you know, doing doing my my research coming into this podcast was, um, there are other there, I mean there are tools there are vendors who offer managed services that that address some of these you know uh, GRC challenges. Um, now we've covered it, it to to an extent we've covered this question already because we talked about how Adobe was cutting edge and you know so at the time that you guys were facing these challenges maybe some of these tools didn't exist but my question is 
have you ever considered these tools? Did, did you explore or consider, you know, third, you know, just off the shelf tools or third party services as opposed to sort of, you know, building your own solution in house? Well, that's a fantastic question, Tony. We did, in fact, as I, as you alluded to earlier, and I, I mentioned in the beginning of this podcast as well, we were one of the pioneers here and early adopters of cloud technology. And at, uh, at the point of time where we were going through this transformation, both on the business and the technology side, uh, there were not uh, a lot of vendors out there that would uh, give us the kind of capabilities that we desired to keep some of the uh, keep the security state of some of the assets that we are talking about at that desired security level and identify those deviations, right? So we had to use a lot of uh, uh, you know kind of open source technology and uh, use our in internal engineering resources to build on top of uh, to build capabilities on top of those open source technologies to build some of these security stacks that I was talking about. So uh, that's the approach we took, and then. Uh, and that is kind of formed the uh, the backbone of some of uh, the uh, uh, the automation and the security stacks that I was talking about earlier. Okay, that makes sense. Um, in uh, in the blog post, which I realize we're on a podcast and others can't see the blog the blog post right now, but I will link to it uh, for the podcast audience. Um, but you wrote a blog a blog post about uh, you know STI and, and how you address uh, you know GRC uh, challenges. There's an illustration in there. It's a circle and it kind of shows like a perpetual cycle. Um, and I was wondering, you know, it, can can you explain to me the the four areas, the kind of the four quadrants of that of that circle, and how STI flows through? Like how how does that process go through that 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 diagram? Sure, sure. So the strategic tech initiatives program is primarily broken down into uh, four pillars. Uh, these are the four key phases of the program through which the execution happens. There is the discovery phase, the identification phase, there is an execution and engagement phase, and then there is an automation phase. So as part of the discovery phase, this is the phase where we identify what are these big problems that we need to solve? What are these big risk ticket, big ticket items that we need to address? And there are several input sources that contribute to this identification. As I said, it could be based on some of our internal learnings. It could be industry benchmarking, networking with our industry peers. It could be new uh, compliance or regulatory requirements or new corporate standards that come into existence, right? So, and then we've kind of created a risk-based prioritization approach to identify which of these big problems that we need to solve, which are more aligned to our custom, uh, which, are, which is more aligned to our business and which our customers really care about. So once we identify these initiatives, then we move on to the identification phase. So as I mentioned earlier, Adobe, uh, the whole technology and the product landscape is very diverse across multiple business units split across multiple geos. So to drive an initiative, a cross-company initiative uh, like this, which is impacting multiple engineering and ops teams and product teams across Adobe, it is absolutely imperative for us to get leadership buy-in and to make sure that we make room for that particular uh, item in the engineering cycle uh, for the respective teams. So that's where the identification phase comes in, where we run these initiatives through approvals, uh, through senior leadership, our CSO approves it, and then our engineering leaders approves, approve, approve it. And once that is done, we run it through something called as the SLC process. That is the engine internally we have created at Adobe to drive initiatives like this, cross-company initiatives like this. And once that is done, we move towards the execution phase, execution and engagement phase. In this phase, what happens is there are uh, uh, 
technology program managers and uh, compliance product owners that are deeply engaged with uh, engineering and ops and product teams to make sure that these best practices get implemented along with the automation of these best practices. So the whole idea here is once we identify, uh, uh, get the approvals and execute, we automate it in a way that we want the remediation to be self-service. So what I mean by that is at any point of time in the future, if the asset deviates from their desired state, we want to give uh, control to the engineer to go fix that deviation through notification. So the idea is that we identify a problem, we create an initiative, we do engagement and fix the problem, we automate it and we make it self-service and then we move on to the next problem to solve. Uh, and then that's how, uh, that's why I refer to this as the whole rinse repeat process uh, uh, where uh, we constantly, we have an agile methodology to identify problems and fix it and self-service through automation. Right. And, and, and the whole thing is, you know, its own sort of feedback loop then as well because it's a circle that ends up you know there is there is kind of no beginning and no end it just kind of you you just keep going exactly as uh, because uh, um, security there's uh, in the security world there the risk landscape and the threat landscape is evolving every day there are new risks that we need to look at so this program was designed keeping uh, the dynamic nature uh, of uh, the security uh, work in mind okay and that, that, so you know, back many years ago when I was on the other side of the fence working in the security trenches, you know, that was the, one of the primary issues with compliance in particular, um, and, and like you know, in vulnerability scanning was was the frequency. You know, the the you know, like if you you know, we you would you would vulnerability scan quarterly or monthly or whatever, or you would you know do a do an annual compliance check, but there was nothing in between there. And so you'd have this snapshot that says, well, okay, on on March 18th of 2021, uh, you're compliant. You know, we we checked all the boxes, and and I can verify that you you know you you had all the things in place to be compliant with you know PCI DSS. But that doesn't tell you if I was compliant on March 21st or you know June 5th. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, that, that, that evolution makes sense, uh, you know, for a lot of, for, for, it makes sense for vulnerability management, it makes sense for compliance, and it makes sense for a lot of areas of cybersecurity where, um, you know, we had to kind of evolve from this, well, I'm going to scan for, yeah, I remember, I remember back in the day, you used to only do a virus scan like once a week. <laughs> you know, yep. you, you literally stopped, you know, for, for an hour on a, on a, on a Friday or Saturday and, and, and ran your vulnerability scare, your, your virus scan. And, uh, you know, that just doesn't work in the, in today's threat landscape because, you know, the, the, the threat is constant, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't wait for your your scan on Saturday. Exactly. And uh, we need to be uh, super agile in the, uh, in the in the current environment, especially with the expansion of our overall footprint, right? I mean, the corporate network is not the corporate network anymore. It, it actually expands to your house in this remote world. So everything is like a big giant corporate network at this point of time. And there are new risks that are arising, security risks that are arising as a result of this. So we need to be very agile. And, uh, and then we need to have a very uh, organized, uh, structured way to approach security. So that are those are some of the principles based on which this program is designed on. That uh, agile uh, execution, um, structured and organized way of executing security initiatives and building a repeatable process so that people are not surprised on the way we execute. Okay. So 
there, you know, obviously there's like, you know, there's, there are, are sort of direct and indirect benefits, but if you, if you had to, to, you know, kind of describe, uh, to someone, what is the benefit of STI for Adobe customers? Like I, you know, so I understand, I understand how it helps you inside Adobe, um, as an Adobe customer though, how do, does it help me or do I care? That's a fantastic question, uh, Tony. So uh, to be a world-class cloud services business, it's uh, not just enough to be uh, agile and, and innovative, uh, but it's also super, super critical uh, to, uh, to uh, demonstrate a formal commitment towards security and compliance so that the customers can actually trust, build trust in your cloud service, right? So the approach that we took in Adobe is to kind of uh, keeping this intent in mind, we built the Adobe Common Controls Framework uh, to achieve all of these certifications and attestation requirements that our customers and regulators are looking for. And then the Strategic Tech Initiatives Program actually takes the bar a few level higher, where in addition to these uh, uh, compliance requirements that are driven through these certifications and uh, uh, these attestations, we look at other key strategic high-risk areas uh, and big-ticket items that uh, the problems that we need to solve through the Strategic Tech Initiatives Program. So it's going way above and beyond the typical compliance and certification. So uh, this way, our customers uh, can, can see that we take security really seriously through investing in both the programs and the resources and, and doing uh, this kind of company-wide initiatives, and, um, and, and, and they can trust our cloud service. Okay, which is, you know, I, I could say as a you know cybersecurity professional, obviously very important. But also, I know from um, I just recently had on uh, Susie Greenberg from Intel, and we talked about their uh, they just recently published their twenty twenty one transparency and security assurance report, and it's it's kind of along those same lines of, you know, the you know in that in that survey. They basically ask people, you know, how important are these things to you? And 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 it ranked very highly. I forget the exact number. I'll say like 70 plus percent of of you know the people who participated in the survey said that they thought it was very important to have some level of transparency and be able to know what are the vendors, the vendors that I'm choosing to buy from or do business with, what are they what are they doing for security and what are the vulnerabilities that they're encountering. Um, you know, they they don't want those things to happen, you know, sort of behind uh, behind a curtain where they don't really they have they have no visibility and to know, you know, well, what are you doing? Yeah, that's a great point. I think trust and transparency is becoming extremely critical in the world, uh, interconnected world that we are living in. Uh, so uh, the the more transparent you are, the more. Uh, trust you can gain from your customers, um, uh, and I've seen this in practice. Yeah. So, you know, you got again. You guys, you guys are Adobe, huge company, global footprint, um, and and you know, you you were on the cutting edge and 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 created this 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 program, this system of this with the strategic technology initiatives. Um, are there lessons there for? Other companies, especially like you know small and medium companies that don't have the resources of an Adobe, are there are there lessons that other companies can take away from this, or uh, you know some way for them to kind of follow your example? Sure, yeah, I can think of a few there. So, uh, as we all know, security is a hard problem to solve, uh, and there are new problems arising every single day. So, we need to create a risk-based approach 
to solve security problems that are very closely aligned with your business and that your customers care about, right? That's lesson number one, right? To prioritize the big problems that you need to solve. The second learning is getting organized. Um, you need to operate as a security organization, you need to operate in a very organized fashion. What I mean by that is your communication strategy with your business partners on the engineering side, ops side, other BUs, right? The moment you start doing it in a very organized fashion uh, and in a very seamless fashion, your business partners take you more seriously in a way that they'll take you as a trusted business partner rather than someone who's just pushing security work down their plate. So get organized. Uh, create a risk-based prioritization framework. And then the third piece is automation, right? Automation is a key element for all of these initiatives because as all of us know that security talent is really scarce in the market uh, and we have more problems to solve and less people to solve it. So the only way that uh, we can scale the remediation and implementation of some of the security work is through automation and making it self-service so that uh, the, the folks who are actually in the ground, like the engineers and the ops folks, can take on some of these remediation work, self-service through education, and so on and so forth. So these are the three primary takeaways, I would say. Risk-based prioritization, get organized, and automate. Okay. I think that's that's uh, solid advice. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I meant to sort of insert at an earlier point, but I, I'm curious, you know, given... You know, we, we just kind of crossed the one year anniversary of everyone, uh, you know, going into quarantine and switching to the you know, work from home business model and and uh, and you know, all, all of the kind of business and technology repercussions of dealing with the, the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, is there any element of that that had any impact on this on 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 the way that you approach governance risk and compliance on on the way that you uh implement and manage sti like is is you know did you have to change anything for covid uh we we certainly had to change our thought process um, i mean as i mentioned i alluded to it earlier right uh, with the whole virtual and remote world uh, the the technology landscape and the network has expanded overall, right? Uh, right? Things are not just limited to the corporate network anymore. People are connecting and doing business from all parts of the world. They're doing business with our customers from different parts of the world in a remote setup. So that brings uh, its uh, own unique set of risks and challenges that we need to look into. So those are some of the things that we've been looking at as part of uh, uh, this uh, shift because of COVID, Tony. Okay. Um, all right. Well, is there anything I didn't ask that you want the podcast audience to know? Is there like a, a, a you know, like any any parting words of, of wisdom, so to speak? Uh, sure. Yeah, I would like to end this podcast uh, uh, in a positive note. And uh, for all your listeners, I would like to communicate that. Uh, and security is hard. Uh, it's stressful. Um, uh, it's it's a hard problem to solve. Uh, having said that, um, the, the our community is great, right? So one thing I would uh, like to uh, kind of mention to all your listeners is if somebody is facing challenges, you're not alone. There is definitely somebody out there, uh, somebody else who's facing the same challenge. So uh, my advice would be to reach out, right? And this is uh, this has worked for me in the past, and that's why I'm saying this. Like, reach out. There are people who are willing to help out there. If you're facing a unique challenge that you are stuck, reach out. The community is great. We have a great support system in the overall security community. So uh, please reach out, and uh, and you're not alone in this. So 
there are there's somebody else out there who's facing the same problem. So uh, yeah, I would like to end in a positive note by saying that, Tony. All right. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, that's definitely true. Uh, you know, there are so many resources out there, and then you know, I, I know I'm 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 involved in a number of infosec related like Facebook groups, LinkedIn groups, you know, Twitter threads, like you name it. And never mind, you know, company forums and stuff. So you know, I think that I think you're right that the the you know not only are the resources out there, but the 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 what's the word I'm looking for. People that you know, are, are, are willing to help you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, all right. Well, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to uh, chat with me. I always love to uh, talk with uh, Adobe anytime. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, thank you for taking the time. Yeah, thank you, Tony. I really enjoyed the conversation and uh, thanks a lot for doing this. I appreciate it. I appreciate you investing your time to listen to the podcast, but I also invite you to engage on social media. Uh, please go like our Facebook page and follow at Techspective on Twitter and Instagram. You can feel free to let me know what you like, let me know what you don't like, let me know if you love it, let me know if it sucks, and uh, let me know what products you'd like to see reviewed or what uh, questions you'd like to see answered in future posts.